0: Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, we're now up to number seven of our continuing series on the conditions or operating states of existence as discovered by Mr. Hubbard and the formulas that he discovered. That, if followed, will take one from a lower condition to a higher condition. How's that for describing in a nutshell what this series is about? And I wanted to do one more episode relating to the condition of enemy before going on to the next condition up, which is doubt. And we alluded to this in our last episode, and that is the prevalence I have found amongst individuals who are in enemy to themselves. They're in the condition of enemy. To themselves, sometimes even lower than that. But uh, anyway, I've never researched this and tabulated it or anything, but you would be quite amazed at how many people treat themselves very, very badly and seem to be unaware that they are, in fact, in a condition of enemy to themselves. L. Ron Hubbard once wrote in an article entitled On Getting to Know Ourselves this following very beautiful passage Are you a friend of yours? Probably the most neglected friend you have is you, and yet every man, before he can be a true friend to the world, must first become a friend to himself. In this society, where aberration flourishes in the crowded cities and marts of business, few are the men who have not been subjected on every hand to a campaign to convince them that they are much less than they think they are. You would fight anyone who said of your friends what is implied about you. It is time you fought for the best friend you will ever have yourself, Elron Hubbard. You know, I've had this conversation with people uh, when helping them sort something out. Let's say you have a friend who is an alcoholic, and this friend comes up to you and says, "Hey." you know, I really have a drinking problem, and I'd like to solicit your help to get me through this because I've decided I'm going to reform on this, and I'm going to get this under control. And you say, of course, because it's a friend asking you, you say, yes, of course, I'll help you. Anything I can do. And so you work with your friend individually for a couple of weeks, and you seem to be making steady progress. And then one day you hear a knock at your front door. And you open the door and your friend is there and they're stone drunk and they fall on their face right there in your doorway. And you go, geez. And you drag him or her to uh, the bathroom and you load them into the bathtub and you turn on the cold shower and you try to bring them around. And of course they come around. Now, this is a question I asked the person I'm giving this analogy to, because this is an analogy. I said, when your friend recovers enough to come awake, uh, they get over the drunken stupor that they're in, what would you do with them? What would you say to them? Would you blast them? Would you say, never grace my doorway again? Would you despise them and treat them poorly? I ask the person this question that I'm giving this analogy to, and of course they say, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. I just say, okay, Joe, we had to slip up. Let's get going. Let's roll our sleeves up. We're going to have to work at this a little harder. You would be encouraging to that person because that person is your friend. You would not walk away. You would not give up on that person. You would not bash them physically or spiritually. You would treat them as you would treat a friend. But now I ask you this, if it were you, and you were trying to put a discipline in on yourself and you kept, you know, that discipline in for a couple of weeks and then you had to slip up, maybe a bad one, maybe even a small one. How would you treat yourself? And I asked the person this question and they go, oh my God, like, what do you do? You berate yourself. You invalidate yourself. You treat yourself like garbage, wouldn't you? I know you would because we all kind of do this. You know, we are way, way harder on ourselves than we are on our friends, and we're far less forgiving and far less tolerant. Is this the action of a friend or the action of an enemy? This kind of treatment of yourself. This is an important question. You might ask yourself, how would you treat yourself? And in there, you might have a tip-off to a condition that you may be in with regards to yourself that is lower than you thought. It might be a betrayal to self, enemy to self, a doubt of self. But I do not consider that enough members of mine are addressing their, what we call, personal or first dynamic condition, along with uh, treating any other condition on any other dynamic. But that first dynamic condition, as Mr. Hubbard said uh, in the earlier quote that I read, he says, quote, probably the most neglected friend you have is you. And yet, every man, before he can be a true friend to the world, must first become a friend to himself." End quote." "So do not neglect the confront of the first dynamic and yourself. What condition are you in with regards to yourself? I have watched individuals get engaged in crazy self-destructive things. I mean, like, I mean, I like the occasional cigar, uh, but I'm not much of a smoker, and I have no objection to anyone who enjoys smoking, but you might think... Someone who beat cancer three times, a true story, and has chronic fatigue and illness might try quitting, or someone who has severe illnesses and limitations to their ability to participate in life stemming from extreme obesity might have success if they work out their correct condition or operating state on the first or personal dynamic and then do the formula. But there is a fundamental here I want to cover with you, way more basic and way more important as a self-destructive action than merely keeping poor discipline in on one's physical health. And this comes back to the subject of purposes and why I started talking about basic purpose before I introduced the enemy condition and formula. Before I get into that with you, there are a couple of definitions you're going to need. First of all, we have already used the word dynamics. And that is an urge to survive. We cover this in detail in episode 24, volume 4, called Conditions, Seven Things You Need to Know. So review that if you want more detail on what the dynamics are. And then we have the word aberration, which means, per Mr. Hubbard, quote, a departure from rational thought or behavior. From the Latin aberrare, to wander from, Latin ab, away, Rare to wander. It means basically, these are Mr. Hubbard's words, it means basically to err, to make mistakes, or more specifically, to have fixed ideas which are not true. And then he says, aberration is opposed to sanity, which would be its opposite. So that's aberration. And then we have the word bank. In this following quote, I'll be reading the word bank. That doesn't mean where you deposit your money, though there are some similarities. Bank means the reactive mind as defined in Dianetics of Modern Science of Mental Health, the reactive mind is that portion of the mind which files and retains physical pain and painful emotion and seeks to direct the organism solely on a stimulus response basis. It thinks only in identities. So if you find you, have, you act peculiarly around... Certain people, and you don't understand why you act that way around women or around men or around aggressive people or just in certain situations or environments, you're acting like you're not yourself, you aren't yourself, you're feeding on material coming to you from the bank or reactive mind. So, anyway, that's a very simple definition. Those dark, sullen moments where you, uh, you know, maybe you are experiencing a depression and so on, you are dealing with bank. All right. So, now I'm going to read you a quote from a lecture. It's entitled Getting Up to Speed. It was uh, delivered by Mr. Hubbard on the 17th of November, 1953. Uh, listen carefully. It's, in a, it's a very important datum and it relates directly to what we're talking about. Quote, I tell you, these are Mr. Hubbard's words, I tell you, the only unethical thing I have ever been able to discover is for an individual to deny himself. And if an individual thoroughly enough denies himself, believe me, he's unethical because he'll wind up by denying himself and everybody else and everything across the eight dynamics, pang. So that's real unethical, also immoral, and you'll find out the downgrade of everybody was when he denied his own strength, truth, and power. I'll run Hubbard. Okay. Now I want you to consider all the unethical things you've ever found yourself involved with, or perpetrated, or done, or not done, or what have you. And you go, wow, you know, that really wasn't right, that was wrong, and you feel bad about those things, you feel remorse about those things. Mr. Hubbard here is stating that the only real unethical thing is to deny yourself, because that's where it starts. You start on that slippery slope. Because he says, and you'll find out the downgrade of everybody was when he denied his own strength, truth, and power. You start with that, bam. You start getting into a level of irresponsibility towards self. And the next thing you know, you're denying everybody else and everything across eight dynamics, Pang! It makes it okay to now do these destructive actions against the other dynamics. But it starts with that, denial of self. Well, I'm really not that strong or... I'm really not that capable. So therefore, it's okay for me to do this or, you know, what else am I going to do? Of course, I'm going to do this nasty thing that I'm doing because, you know, I'm basically worthless. I am basically have no self value. Um, and this is something that you will find in uh, criminal populations in prisons and so on that the idea of self-worth, their idea of themselves is horrifying horrifying, total denial of self. So, that can be large, it can be small, but to the extent that the being denies themselves, it of course starts them on that slippery slope. So, then that was uh, 1953, 17 November 1953. Now, he later, on the 1st of September 1962, he did a couple of lectures that refer to the subject we talked about earlier, In an earlier episode, just a few episodes ago, we did a review episode on basic purpose, and he's talking about basic purpose. Now, listen to what he says here. Quote, here is the crux of the situation, is every time they didn't do their basic purpose, they added a piece of bank. And for the last millennia, they've been adding bank. And the bank all hangs up on the basic purpose because they couldn't do it and didn't do it man of course only real sin is a betrayal of self a man betrays himself he is faithless to himself and therein lies his aberration elron hubbard now bear that in mind because later on in the lecture he gives this other datum which expands on this listen to this hold on to your chairs because this is going to blow your mind okay quote But what do you mean true to yourself? See, actually, you're not being true to yourself. You're being true to your basic purpose. If you're not true to your basic purpose, you've had it. And that's what gives a fellow bank, L. Ron Hubbard. Isn't that interesting? So he's talking in this lecture about betrayal of self, denial of self. But then he equates it with denial of basic purpose, not being true to your basic purpose. And this is why it is so important for any individual to rediscover, because they actually already know it, per the earlier, you know, talk or discussion that I referenced, just the review episode we issued just a couple of episodes ago on basic purpose, you've known your basic purpose from the age of two years old, and yet it has become warped. You're no longer following it. It becomes warped by your environment. It becomes warped by other influences, by your reactive mind, by the bank, and so on, right? But he's saying here, see, actually, you're not being true to yourself. You're being true to your basic purpose. And if you're not true to your basic purpose, you've had it. And that's what gives a fellow bank. So I, I remind you of the basic formula of living, also covered in that earlier lecture, having and following a basic purpose. So the more you are following your purpose, of course, the more alive you are. The more you are not following your basic purpose, the more you're stepping away from your basic purpose, then, of course, the less alive you are. And there's a technical word for that. It's called dying. So when one is dying, one has, of course, a host of other issues, health issues, um the self-destructive as covered earlier, denial of self is where it starts. And then there's a slippery slope. And now the guy could be doing all kinds of things to himself, not just in terms of invalidation, but even to the point where he destroys his own body and commits suicide or something like that. It can get that extreme. Okay. But what are we talking about? We're talking about not having and following the basic purpose. So again, same date, 1 September, 1962 it's actually the second lecture of that date, follows the one I'd earlier quoted here. He says, quote, this is Mr. Hubbard's words, quote, all of these horrible black masses that give you your ulcers, they are put there by altruism. Now, the basic purpose of the individual, and the more he doesn't do what he thinks he should do, the more black mass he adds to bother him, he punishes himself for it. L. Ron Hubbard. So, you find yourself punishing yourself in a large or small degree you might want to take a look and examine, okay, am I following my basic purpose? And if not, maybe adjust your life and activities so that you are. Now, I'll tell you uh, something very, very interesting, really not necessarily belonging here in this discussion, but I thought I might as well throw it in there. Uh, The number of times uh, where I'm helping an individual to to discover their basic purpose, where they will state it is to help, to help and to help others. I would say 90% or better of the uh, conversations I have with people on the subject of basic purpose, it, it it very, very, very often, more often than not, comes down to that. It's not really... Well, you know, I really want to have a big house. That's my purpose. I want to be famous. I want to this and that. No, when you really get down to it, help is usually a part of it. And that's a good thing to know. It's very reassuring to me and I'm sure to others that humankind seems to have as a common denominator, no matter who it is, a common desire to help. And the basic purpose often includes that. I thought I would just wrap this particular talk up with uh, one last quote from Mr. Hubbard. This from a lecture of the 30th of June, 1960. It's entitled Some Aspects of Help. He says this, which, of course, is very interesting. He says, quote, Well, apparently, apparently, the reason we're alive is to help. I know that's one of those silly answers, but that's what life is. It's silly. I can't help it if it's that silly. Very often people look at me accusatively as though I invented this thing, you know. Maybe I did, but I don't remember it. So anyway, this help button is as dead as a person is dead, you see. You can tell how dead the person is by how little they can help. And it's actually a direct coordination. It's one of the wildest things you ever wanted to study in your life. It's too stupidly simple for any great philosopher ever to notice, you see. That's how come I can come along and think of it. It's just too silly. Fellow says, what is the reason for life? Oddly enough. The apparent answer to the thing, if he wants a very finite, basic reason, is to help people. That's apparently a fundamental reason for existence. And it's too silly, but people actually run on this basis, and when they can no longer help people, they're dead. Elron Hubbard. So don't be too surprised if when you're digging around looking for basic purpose, that you find a purpose to help. How you help, there's many ways to help humanity. One can house them, one can feed them, one can educate them, one can uplift them with one's art. There's so many beautiful purposes. I don't know what yours is. And hopefully, you know what yours is. But if you don't know what yours is, I strongly urge you to take the time to discover it because basic formula living, as we've covered before, and it has everything to do with your happiness your success, your health, your honor, many, many other things. Don't be afraid of big purposes. Don't be afraid to discover within yourself some very honorable, worthwhile purpose that you may have been in touch with when you were in a much smaller body, when you were much younger. But uh, don't forsake that purpose. If you do, it's at your peril. We certainly need more of us to find each other, unite with this purpose to help each other and mankind in whatever form. And um, if you're interested in finding out more about Basic Purpose or if I can help you in any way to discover Basic Purpose, you can certainly write us at info at wiseeastus.org. And if you want to help, we've got lots of ideas for that. We have many members who are helping. In many different ways from uh, any of the ways I discussed, really, we have artists, we have educators, we have uh, wise licensed consultants who help people use the Hubbard Management System in their businesses. We have some real heroes, some real, real heroes, amazing people, amazing sacrifices and amazing success. So if you want to know more, by all means, write us at info That wraps it up for Enemy Condition. Uh, the next episode will be on the doubt condition in case you've been waiting eagerly for that. I know some of you are following the series very closely and I've already been nudged for, can you get us doubt? Can you get us liability? Yes, we will get those all over to you, but uh, I really felt this was an important one to cover. I do thank you very much for listening and we will talk again next week.